Sony. Hello, Canada. Welcome to another full edition of Canadian Common Sense. 45 minutes of unedited, unscripted, and for at least the next three weeks, uncensored commentary on Canada's issues. Today's date is August 29th, 2021, and it is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. How are you, my man? Oh, you know, we're not too bad. The smoke is gone, mostly. So uh, that's a good thing. How are you? I am good. Uh, yeah, actually, the, we haven't had much smoke here either. So how is the forest fire situation out there? Uh, it's getting a lot better. We've had some cooler weather. We've had a bunch of rain, um, which, by the way, is actually fairly... Uh, the fact that we've had rain in August is kind of an anomaly. We don't usually get rain in August, but we've gotten a bunch of rain in the last week. And um, the fire situation has diminished quite quite rapidly uh, to the point where in the Kootenays, which is uh, kind of between us and the Rockies, they have already lifted their campfire ban. Oh, wow. Now that's something yeah. else. Yeah. So... Excellent. Okay, Canada. So we've got a special edition for you today. Not that it's anything special, but we'll be talking a lot more about Election 44. We uh, will likely bring you a few extra episodes while the election is going on, because obviously there is a lot happening. So on the show today, Election 44, some interesting polling numbers coming out. Miriam Monsef is a moron. Leaders Debate Commission are losers. Justin Trudeau is a jerk. John Horgan is a pretty happy diner. Where do you want to start, sir? Well, let's just start off with the ones that we can knock off pretty quick here. So let's let's talk about John Horgan. Um, sure. I shared with you a video of uh, of John Horgan having dinner at a, a table of eight, and. His own COVID rules restrict us to tables of six. And um, a couple of other diners confronted the premier and his table uh, and started videotaping it and uh, saying, you know, I was just told by the hostess that we are limited to a table of six. And yet I come in here. And you're sitting at a table of eight. And uh, one of the women at the table turned around and said, we've all just done rapid tests and we're all negative. Should that matter? Well, according to Dr. Bonnie Henry and to Premier John Horgan, no, that doesn't matter. We are limited to six. We are limited to six people at a table. Now, you and I think we should all be at tables of eight or 10 or 12, but that's not the point here. This is another case of rules for thee and rules for, for we, right? It's, it's uh, the ruling class live by a different set of rules. I mean, first of all, how are they getting access to rapid tests when the rest of us don't? I mean, we've been told by Health Canada that the rapid tests aren't reliable. 
When, but we've also found out recently that the PCR tests aren't reliable, which you and I have seen for a long time. And the person who created the PCR tests has also said is not a good test used for coronavirus. And that's why I believe in the U.S. they are going to stop using the PCR test at the end of this year. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like they're using rapid tests, which the rest of us don't have access to. And apparently that gives them carte blanche to, to, to break rules, which, um, again, I think these rules are, are pretty ridiculous and we should, um, and these rules shouldn't even be in place, but, um, but the point is, is that the the ruling class lives by a different set of rules than the rest of us. Well, I think to to me that's the the biggest part of the story is that Mr. Horgan and his government, obviously, and Bonnie Henry have said six people to a table, and they should be leading by example, because obviously, people in public positions are the ones who are going to be spotted for doing this very thing and called out for it it's yeah. it's ridiculous i mean you had said this on our last show and previous shows how john horgan and the bc government in general had done so well on handling covid pretty much right from the start and then it seems that mr horgan has just kind of fallen off the wagon lately yeah yeah um and, and i mean i i don't this isn't like a an infraction that I would say needs huge attention to, except for the fact that it's it, his government that put the rule in place. And so, I mean, this is no different than Gavin Newsom in California uh, saying that, you know, closing all indoor dining and then gets caught having dinner at a, indoors at a restaurant in Napa or uh, Nancy Pelosi um going and getting her hair done at a at a uh, at a salon after the the government of California closed salons i mean these there there's been many many cases all across north america the us and canada where politicians have been caught breaking covid rules um and uh, and not leading by example, uh, <clears throat> Jason Kenney and the Conservatives in Alberta, <clears throat> and um, and I mean it's just been it's been crazy. I mean we're now seeing this because I think I think honestly everybody's just had enough. We've got we've got COVID fatigue, and and I think the the people running the provinces in the country have COVID fatigue too. But they still need to lead by example if they want anyone else to follow these stupid rules. Well, absolutely right. I'm glad you brought up Jason Kenny because uh, I was thinking of the uh, that Sky Palace dinner that they had. Well, <clears throat> meeting that they had. Uh, but I will give Jason C- Kenny credit that at least he apologized for it. You know, conf- you know, admitted that yes, the optics look bad, and we shouldn't have had this meeting, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas nobody else seems to apologize one bit. They all just seem to say, like you said, rules for the rules for me. Yeah, and and I think the the latest example of that, because 
Oregon was a few days ago. Uh, the latest example of that is uh, Justin Trudeau. I mean, he broke Ontario's COVID gathering rules um, at a, a, a campaign stop. Yeah, that's right. In Ontario, there's, I believe they're limited to 30 people in an outdoor gathering. And, and it's actually his very first campaign event in Coburg, Ontario, was over 100. And then, of course, ever the virtue signaler. And what a great way to cover up poor attendance. In Calgary, at a, at a very brief stop he had at a rally, there was 80 people and, of course, all social distance, etc. And I'm just going to throw, throw it out there. They probably had to coerce to get 80 people to come out to a Trudeau rally in Calgary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they, they might have had to lie to them and say, hey, it's a uh, conservative rally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, if they're having COVID fatigue, I can only imagine how, how much COVID fatigue we're suffering from. Well, exactly, yeah. So um, from COVID fatigue to stupidity fatigue, let's talk about our friend Miriam Monsef. I know you want to you wanna weigh in on this one. Yeah. Um, please stop referring to her as my friend. Um, <laughs> Miriam Monsef, she's, she is someone who, she, she is not, this is not her first bout of controversy. Um. Her first bout of controversy was, I believe, shortly after she was elected in 2015, uh, when it was revealed that her mother had lied uh, on her citizenship application, or no, no, on her refugee refugee, uh, application, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and said that she was from... Oh, you're going to have to help me. I can't remember if, if it was from Afghanistan. Yeah, they said, they said she was yeah. from Afghanistan. Yeah, but they, they said she was she from, Afghanistan. from Iraq. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. She was actually from Iraq. So she became a Canadian citizen under false pretenses. Now, at the time, you and I both said, you know, we don't care about that because it was her mother who lied and uh, Miss Mom Momsef was quite young, so I don't care, honestly, whether she was from Iraq or Afghanistan. But here she is now as a minister and the minister of uh, the status of women, and she goes and she decides to call. Oh boy. She goes to decides to call the Taliban and quotation marks here, our brothers. Yep. Now for the context, Canada, she was making a public appeal on Canadian television in English and not wearing a hijab and reaching out to her brothers, the Taliban. Why do I mention all of this? Because A, being on a Canadian network, the Taliban aren't watching. B, speaking in English, the Taliban aren't listening. C, when she's not wearing a hijab, the Taliban would refuse to receive her or hear anything she had to say. 
Not to mention the fact that she is a woman and the Taliban will refuse to listen to her anyway. Another good point. So, I mean, this is the fact that she referred to like 8th century goat herding murderers as our brothers is highly offensive. It should be highly offensive to every single person in this country, especially women and girls. But it should be offensive to every single person in this country. And I hope uh, and I hope that people in the military make it known to her how offended they are by that. Well, that would be nice. And now Tom Korsky, who is a reporter with uh, Black Lodge Reporters, had actually gave her quite a good out. And there was a news conference and he had asked her to say, can you, you know, help me out and clarify this comment about our brothers, the Taliban? And he pointed out, you have never referred to any member of the Conservative Party of Canada, there are Muslim MPs from the Conservative Party of Canada, as our brothers. So, you know, what am I missing here, essentially? And she uh, she didn't back down at all. She just said, well, that's just a, a cultural reference. So, of course, he asked again, well, are, are the Muslim, you know, why are the Muslim MPs in the Conservative Party not your brothers? But... She wouldn't go on. She wouldn't answer that. She just had to say it was a just a cultural reference. And, you know, in Muslim circles, we are all brothers and all sisters. And but, yeah, she couldn't explain why it was she never referred to the opposition party Muslims as her brothers. Yeah, well, that's because they're not. And she considers them more the enemy than the Taliban. Uh, well, it appears that way. It does. And I, I'm just. What is it with these liberals, man? They are so willing to apologize for stuff other people did, but never for the stuff that they did. Well, that's a good point. And there was a, a reporter, and I don't remember what news outlet he was with, but the next day, of course, and I was saying in conversation that I can't wait for the race card to come out. And the very next day after this Tom Korski uh, news conference, Another reporter from another magazine had come out and said, I think we just need to to ignore the cultural reference and move on. And and he made a few more points about it, just saying that uh, how, you know, non-Muslims won't understand. And I thought, well, that, that could be true. I'm not a Muslim, but I uh, I just look for the uh, the equality, you know. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, this is buy the cultural reference excuse i absolutely don't this was a calculated speech it was pre-written and um i do not buy that this was a cultural reference i've heard that excuse used before um i've, I've also heard it from um a, a well a teacher at my son's school when one day she referred to my son as a savage and um, she tried to pass it off as a uh, as, as a cultural reference from Quebec and my wife I don't think the teacher knew is born and raised in Quebec right <laughs> and my wife was my wife just said um I don't think so 
And so, and then that's when I said to her, okay, so if my son was uh, uh, First Nations descent, would you have still called him a savage? So <laughs> these so-called cultural references, I think is very poor excuses and exactly what they are is an excuse. It's an attempt to get out of uh, a gaffe or a mistake um, without acknowledging that it was a gaffe or a mistake. Yeah, well, I think that's exactly what it is. And I would even go one step further and say she, that Ms. Monsef was in her own warped mind trying to soften up the Taliban so that they would be a little more friendly in releasing Canadians that are now trapped in Afghanistan. Well, she's a moron. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, first of all, the Taliban don't see her as a person because she's female. Period. And westernized, yeah. Never mind whether or not she's wearing a a burqa or a hijab or anything like that. The the fact that she is a female is enough for them not to even listen to a word she says. In fact, the fact that she's a female and she is talking to them as if they're equals would warrant the death penalty in in, in Afghanistan right now because it's by the Taliban. So you can't convince me at all that she was thinking, even in the least, that she was talking to the Taliban. This was a smoke show for Can- for Canadians. Yeah, yeah that's, that's probably a good point. You're right. Thank you. <laughs> all right. So we'll move on to the next point. I'm sure you'll 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 find a way to be right here too. Uh, and the leaders' <laughs> debate has now been set. The French language debate will be September 8th and the English language debate September 9th. And who's in and who's out? Well, obviously the Liberals and Conservatives are in. And then the Green Party is in. The People's Party is out. And this is where I get upset. And this is why I call them losers. Because the criteria set up, and I should start by saying David Johnson is former governor general is actually on this commission but i am very upset with uh, the criteria they have set because in order to qualify for their leader to be in the televised debates they had to have elected somebody under their banner in the previous election in this case 2019 have had four percent support in that previous election or have four percent support within the first week of the current campaign. And Andrew Lawton actually said it well when he said they set the bar just low enough so the Greens can get in, but just high enough so a new party can't. And that seems to be what they've done to the People's Party because the People's Party, the latest polling, are over 6% now. So I'm a little ticked off that Max Bernier is not in there. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that's fair. Um, I'm not a big Max Bernier fan. Um, I don't like the way he goes about things. I don't like the fact that he, when he didn't win the conservative leadership, he took his ball and went home and started his own party uh, and promptly declared himself the leader. Um, it's, I, I don't like the way he goes about things. I'm not a big fan of his because of that. 
I do like his policies. Um, the problem I have with this is that he's out, but the Bloc Québécois is in, in the English language debate. And, yep. and, th and that, to me, is extremely offensive because you can't even vote for the Bloc Québécois outside of Quebec. Yeah, see, and, that bothered me too. And and I've seen, I mean, how many leaders in a row have we seen now from the Bloc Québécois in the federal English language debate? And every single one of them says, I don't know why I'm here. Yeah, now remember, I don't remember seen, what year it was. I've seen Lucien Bouchard say it. I've seen Jill Duceppe say it. I've seen... Um, uh, oh, jeez. Uh, I need to get more sleep. I, the, the current leader. Yves Francois Blanchet. Yes, Blanchet. I've, I saw Blanchet say it at the last debate, the last English language debate. The first thing he said was, I, I don't know why I'm here, um, but I guess I'll answer the question. And <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like, like, there's no reason for the Bloc Québécois to be there. And yet they are, and the PPC is not. Yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll make my other point in a second when you talked about Gilles Duceppe. Um, it would have been one of the debates when Paul Martin was leader of the Liberals. And I remember Gilles Duceppe in the English debate. And yeah, he had said he had no, re no idea why he was there, but he decided to have fun with it. And I remember him asking a question of Paul Martin about the, the sponsorship scandals and said, you have one minute, go. And he just smugly smirked at him. And I, I thought that was really hilarious. I had to give Gilles Doucette points for that. But you're right. He had no business being there whatsoever. Yeah, and it's funny because after that debate, I remember thinking, damn, I wish I could vote for that guy. Because <laughs> one, thing, one thing I've got to say about the Bloc Québécois is they always pick charismatic and really smart leaders. And and because uh, I was never, though, a big fan of Lucien Bouchard, but um, I saw him more as a turncoat. But the yeah. but, but Gilles Duceppe especially and Blanchet, I, I like them both, like as leaders, like as politicians, and and it's funny because they tend to perform better in the English language debate than the English language leaders. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's true. And I, um, now, going back to the People's Party of Canada, I actually had sent an email to the debate commission. And actually, I'll share that email now in case any of you out there in Canadian common sense land wish to follow my lead on that. It is info at debates, D-E-B-A-T-E -E, uh, slash debat, D-A-B-A-T-E. D e b a t s dot c a, so debates and de slash debas dot c a. And anyway, so I emailed the commission just saying that I think it's really unfair that the bloc is involved in a national leaders debate when the PPC party that actually has a national presence is not. And you know, I respect the fact that they have set criteria. 
but they make no allowance for a party who, like the PPC, is gaining in popularity in the polls as the campaign goes on, which often is the case with with opposition parties. So I I don't want I don't want to say it was a deliberate move on their part to keep the PPC out because that's that's I'm sure not the case, but it's certainly a deliberate attempt to keep out anybody new. Yeah, I'm not sure that it's not the case either. Um, I I don't think that um, people like Max Bernier, like the people who organize these things. I don't think they like him, and I think that um, they were quite happy to keep him out. I mean, I have a great deal of respect for David Johnston as the uh, governor general of our country. He's probably the best governor general this country's ever had. Um, I have, so I feel a respect for him. But this this side just I, I I mean maybe he maybe he uh, argued against it. I don't know, but he was part of the committee that decided these are the parameters, and um, and I think it's a joke. It is, and uh, oh, I'm glad you used the word joke because you're gonna love this one, my friend. The moderator <laughs> for said debates, at least the English the language debate at any rate, is Shachi Curl, who just happens to be a CBC contributor. And yeah, I'm also, not, I'm not, I'm not upset by that. I'm not upset by that. Shachi Curl is is a pretty good, and she's uh, a straight shooter. I, I'm not upset. Okay, good. I uh, I know her from her appearances on that issue, and I think she's is she on with that on power play with Evan Solomon once in a while. Yes, she is. Okay, so okay, yeah, so yeah, she's not so bad. What I don't like is that joining Miss Curl and not as moderators but as contributors, our good friend Rosemary Barton, of course. And, yes, of course, and Evan Solomon, whom I actually have a lot of respect for. And I Stevenson. I, she, I'm on the fence about her, but at least they're not CBC. Yeah, I, I'm actually um, not upset about Mercedes Stevenson. I'm not upset about uh, uh, Evan Solomon. In fact, I, I kind of wish Evan Solomon was the moderator because uh, exactly. he, he's been doing a great job on his show on CTV of holding the uh, his guests' feet to the fire. He does not let them get away with not answering um i uh i but i mean we we know why you know sachi curl was picked over him um if if the if all things being equal they were going to pick the minority female right um right but but um but he is but he has been an outstanding political interviewer uh since he went to CTV, outstanding. Um, I'm not happy about Rosemary Barton at all. She is as biased as they get and makes no bones about it. I remember in the uh, the, the last election when they had the town hall style um, uh, interview with uh, Andrew. Um... Oh man. I need to you that Andrew Shear. The Andrew Shear. With, with Andrew <laughs> Shear. And sorry, man. Um, <laughs> when when they had that town hall style uh, interview with, with Andrew Shear and at the QA portion of it, she attempted to answer the questions for him. And and there was one where a 
question was asked. She tried to answer for him. He cut her off and, and asked if he could answer the question. Answer, he then answered the question, and she laughed at his answer. Do you remember that? I don't, but I'm not surprised. Yeah, she laughed at his answer. So, I mean, Rosemary Barton is as liberal as it come. She makes she doesn't even attempt to hide her uh, uh, her bias, and uh, so her inclusion in this is quite disappointing. Um, not the most disappointing part of this at all, mind you, and we haven't talked about the most disappointing part about the debates at all. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out there right now. The fact checker for our national leaders debate is the CBC. Yeah. I mean, well, that would be the most objective and well-sourced organization to do it. Would they not? Uh, <laughs> I, I can't even, I can't even come up with a joke to answer that one. <laughs> uh, I well, mean, it is a joke that they are even picked as a fact checker. Can you, I mean, it's a joke that there's a fact checker at all, um, because no matter who the fact checker is, I don't care who you are, you're going to have a bias in the way that you fact check these things. And and the fact that they're having a fact checker at the debates is uh, insulting to the Canadian public. It should absolutely insult those who are watching the debates. And... The fact that CBC is being used as a fact-checking organization is an absolute joke, considering it's, uh, there is nothing, there is nothing true that's been on the CBC as long as I've been alive. Yeah, and the CBC actually already proved what fact checkers they are because Facebook Canada has actually chosen the CBC to be their fact checkers through the election. And Candace Malcolm pointed out on her, on her podcast, when this video came out about uh, Aaron O'Toole and the, the private healthcare, which was a debunked video and even Twitter had flagged it as being, being manipulated. The CBC of course went through that and they're, fact check wasn't so much that it was a manipulated video their fact check was just a few different opinion pieces about how you know Aaron O'Toole had discussed private health care options during his leadership campaign which Candace Malcolm kept stopping and you know as she was reading this saying okay yes he said you know under the universal system there should be some private and and public options which there are already and we'll get into that in our talk about the election and it was crazy how uh, they just referenced different opinion articles as their quote fact check. So if that's how they're going to handle the debates, then why even bother? Yeah, no, exactly. All right. So let's get to the, the big topic of the day, election 44. It was yet another less than stellar week for Justin Trudeau. Um, God, where do we even want to start? Um, let's let's see. Well, let, let's We're, start with the with the polling results. With the what? Sorry, the polling results. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and then you know those are all over the board here. But the conservatives have now taken a lead in all the polling organizations. Now, 
Canada, you're going to love this. Lewis, you'll have absolutely no surprise in hearing this. Nanos has Conservatives ahead by two points. And yeah. Main Street has them up by as much as 10 points. And then Ecos is right in the middle at six points. Now, what's interesting to point out is that Ecos is run by Frank Graves, who is a former Liberal MP. And Nanos is run by Nick Nanos, who is Lewis... As liberal as it gets. Absolutely he <laughs> is. <laughs> so I'm going to guess if we're going to stay between 2% and 10% lead, I'm going to just say that Ecos must be pretty much on the money with a, say, a six-point lead. Yeah. Now, 338 Canada, who does a lot of aggregates, and they put polling numbers out, which actually look pretty good for the Conservatives. But when you drill down, I'm still not very confident. It shows them with a close lead in Ontario and a very, very close lead in British Columbia and way out in front in, uh, in Alberta. And in the Atlantic, they were down a bit. But I see NDP support is almost as strong as Liberal support in BC and in Ontario. And as you had pointed out on previous shows, NDP support often turns into liberal votes come election day, and that scares me. Yeah, and having in BC, uh, having the NDP almost even with the liberals' support is not surprising. Um, it's, in fact, it, it's it's like that in most elections, most federal elections here. It's like that right up until voting day. And then on voting day, half of that NDP support goes to the Liberals. Um, it's and, and I mean, and that happens everywhere in this country because everybody knows the NDP don't have a shot at being government. And when they get into the polling booth, they go, well, they strategically vote to keep the Conservatives out. And yeah, so yeah, that's, yeah, and that's that's what worries me about those numbers is, yeah, they're, they're, they, they look pretty good. But are they in reality? Not. Uh, I don't believe they're as good as it appears. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm in t- tend to be uh, with you on that one. Now, three three eight. Also, and this was yesterday. I read it, so probably it been published the day prior. And they said it's really fifty fifty now. And they had said that there was. I think they called it a. You know, probably a fifty-four percent chance the Liberals would get more seats, and as opposed to the Conservatives. But that even says if they were election were today, the number, the seat count would be very, very close. And so, obviously, we're looking at a minority government currently. So now it's just a toss-up whether it's a minority government for the Conservatives or Liberals. But there's still three weeks to go, Canada. So yeah, with the campaign the Conservatives are running, I can see their numbers going nowhere but up. Yeah, and this is what I was, uh, I said on our last, um, I said that if the campaign continues the way it's going, I'm predicting an an O'Toole majority. Um, Right now, still majority based on how the campaign is going at the moment. Uh, The only thing that I see that could possibly upset that, um, without some crazy bombshell coming out, right? Because, I mean, the Liberals have tried they've, they've tried uh, accusing the Conservatives of racism, 
that that fell on its face. They tried accusing them of trying to bring back, uh, you know, trying to ban abortion, and that fell on its face. They have tried to accuse them of 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 getting rid of privatizing our healthcare. That fell on its face. So. Unless there is some scandal that the liberals are holding on to until later in the campaign, the only thing that I see right now to derail uh, the polls from swinging in the conservatives' um, uh, favor is all these, I'm not going to say it, all these vile uh, protests that are popping up everywhere the prime minister is. Do I, am I happy about people protesting the prime minister? Absolutely. Because he has divided this country. He's done it. He's the one responsible for how divided this country is. We were not this divided in 2015. And he has done nothing in the past six years except pit Canadian against Canadian. And he is now reaping the rewards of the the vitriol and the hatred that is that is permeating through our uh, our Canadian society, and it's all because of him. But I don't like you know people throwing the finger at him and and cussing him out and uh, being just derogatory and vile that that is going to get him the sympathy vote that and could happen yeah that happened and it happened last time you remember there were there were protesters that were they had, they had cancel uh they had to cancel appearances for him because there was threats of violence and uh and the the pulse started moving back in his in his direction, and I'm and I'm worried about that happening again because people are gonna are gonna look at it and go, and this is how I'm afraid the media is going to portray it is that these are conservative supporters, and these are the people that are going to be in charge, and the people who would normally vote liberal, but are considering voting conservative this time are going to go. I don't really like those people and I don't want them in charge and they're going to go back and vote for them. And, and the fact that some of these people that are protesting and swearing at the prime minister and saying all kinds of vile things, we know that they actually are conservative volunteers and, and uh, one candidate in Ontario has, has, fired those volunteers who show who went to those uh, those protests and but we've yet to hear about any others that that may have been uh, conservative volunteers but where there's some there's probably more and it it upsets me that this is what we have lowered ourselves to we are not we conservatives should not be uh, lowering themselves down to the same level as the people that we uh, look down on. I mean that that you can't you can't do that. That's you're you're just as bad as they are at that point. Yeah, and in my book, and in my book, that is the only thing. 
that I can possibly see that's going to change things in the polls. Yeah, and I wonder that if the liberals even have that that big gotcha that year that they're holding on to, because Justin Trudeau, I mean, at least so far in his campaign rhetoric, and you were absolutely one hundred percent correct when you suggested that they weren't even ready for their own campaign in this election that they called, by the way. And yeah, you'd looking, think that they were ca- caught completely off guard by it. Like, oh yeah, Justin Trudeau looks like he wasn't even expecting a campaign. Well, that's it's him that I want to discuss because he is still playing the great divider. He has gone so negative in this campaign. And in this past week, he suggested that perhaps he threatened, he actually came out and threatened Saskatchewan, my province, with cuts to healthcare transfers for the crime of operating a private MRI clinic. And there's one in Regina, there's one in Saskatoon. And when Brad Wall was premier, he had set these clinics up with the with the condition that for every MRI they would provide out of pocket, they had to provide two to the public system. So they're actually hybrid clinics and both working in both inside and outside of the public system in order to bring down the, the waiting list on both lines. A great idea. I thought I thought it was a fantastic idea. And in Quebec, there actually are private MRIs and Alberta there are private MRI clinics. But yet, Saskatchewan was targeted up with that threat, but Quebec was just offered more healthcare funding with no strings attached. And I think, hey, want to pit one region against each other? Justin knows how to do that. And sadly, yeah. that's, that's not the only example, but that, that's just this past week the, with, with that threat. And I realize it's easy because he's not going to get any votes out, out on the prairies anyway, at least not in Saskatchewan and Alberta. So it's easy to scapegoat regions like this, but this is Canada. People move all over the place. Everybody has family in every other part of the country. Yeah. And, but the thing is that Justin Trudeau has no respect for the West. None. I mean, let, let's be real. He, he does not have any respect for the West at all. And so I, I don't even think that he even contemplates the possibility that people have family in the prairies. That, that live in Ontario and Quebec or the Maritimes. I mean, half of Newfoundland lives in Alberta. So, but I don't think Justin Trudeau even knows that. I don't, I, I just don't think that he even thinks that that's a possibility. And that, and that just, you know, shows just how, how stupid of a person he is. And how poor of a leader he is. I mean, Spencer Fernando wrote an article, um, what, yesterday or the day before, um, about how politicians lie and uh, like lie about their opposition when they don't have any a good record or. Um, or any good policy to run on. And and he said that's exactly what's happening right now. And he's right. Because, I mean, how many things have the Liberals tried lying about? They tried lying about abortion. They tried lying about health care. They tried lying about racism. They tried lying about... Uh, um, I mean, they even, they even put out a video that was doctored and edited 
been cut up into pieces where 85, 90% of the actual uh, was removed and then pieces spliced together to make it look like O'Toole was saying something he wasn't. And I mean, it's just constant lies. They're just lying all the time. And so that just says to me, their their record sucks. We all know it does. They're the most corrupt government in history of this country. And they don't have any good uh, policies. And, and the fact that they haven't released any proves it. I mean, how do you how do you run a campaign? And this is something we talked about before this happened, before the, the, the campaign was even called. I said, you know, uh, whoever calls an early election, an unforced early election, usually pays for it at the polling stations. Yeah, that's true. And I, I mean, that was... I'm not sure if it was an that Spencer Fernando article, but there was another, I think it was actually a Brian Lilly. And it said that, you know, when Trudeau was getting ready to call the election, yes, polling numbers looked really good. And so, of course, he decided to pull the trigger. And I think, honestly, that he decided to go for an election without actually thinking, well, what do we base this campaign on? I honestly believe he decided to call the election just assuming that, he was going to get reelected with the majority because polling numbers looked good and look at all the money we spent on COVID. I actually don't think he had anything else in mind. No, no, absolutely. I think that he thought that he did such a good job on COVID that he was going to win the election based on that alone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And it just proves how dumb he really is. Yeah. No, I mean, he's the dumbest leader we've ever had, and that includes Joe Clark. That's saying a lot. That really is. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Whenever I see Joe Clark, I always think back to that uh, um, that Royal Canadian Air Force um, skit called <laughs> Joe Clark, International Agent. And oh my God, it was the funniest thing I've ever heard. If anybody, if you can find it. If, if any of our listeners can find that skit, it was on one of Air Force's CDs back in the 90s, early 90s, I believe. It was so funny. Um, go back and find it and listen to it. It is hilarious. Anyways, um, yeah, no, I just, I think, I believe, and I said this before the campaign was even called, that, they were gonna, that the uh, liberals were going to pay for it, polls big time. Um at the time, I still thought that Trudeau, a much smaller minority, I thought it was going to be very, very close to, um, you know, a 50-50 split between uh, of seats between uh, conservatives with you know the NDP and the Bloc propping up the uh, the Liberals, but I thought that the seat counts were going to be extremely close at the end of the campaign. Um, definitely going to pay for calling this election uh, for no reason because the parties that do that usually do pay for it. Um, yeah, absolutely. So but, what's your uh, what's your prediction now? Well, my prediction stands. I still think that looking at how the campaign is going right now, it's going to be an O'Toole majority. 
All right. Well, we'll wrap up on that. So Lewis calls for a, an O'Toole majority, I guess, as long as the campaign continues. I'm still not as optimistic. I am at this point in time willing to say it's a toss up. It could be a minority for either side, either liberals or conservatives, but I, uh, I can't call it anymore. I had called a liberal minority last week, but now I'm not prepared to call it either way. So we'll, uh, Cop we'll out. There. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, here I am sitting on the fence. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, Canada, well, we're interested in what your thoughts are too. So, by all means, feel free to uh, drop us a line on our Canadian Common Sense Facebook page. You can always drop us an email. It's right in the show description on whatever podcast app you're listening to us on. And we want to thank you for listening to this show. And we will certainly bring you another show probably midweek again. And as they're needed throughout the election campaign. So, until next yep. time, this is Tony in Saskatchewan. And it's Lewis out here in BC. But before we go, I want to end this on a good note, on a high note, because we, we don't usually do that. <laughs> um, I just want to let our listeners know that episodes, the ones ending in point zero, are breaking our own records now. Um, our last show got as many listens uh, and downloads in three days that our shows a few months ago were taking six weeks to get. Um, so and and now that now that last show of ours there that was only five days ago or whatever, I. It's hitting numbers we've never seen before. So I really want to thank you. Please keep sharing our, our shows with your friends and family. Um, this has been, you know, this is this isn't our full time gig at all. This is this is we're doing this for free uh, because we love it. And uh, and I just want to thank all our listeners. We we really really appreciate it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's great to have you listening. And um, while we're humbled that you are all tuning in to just two average guys talking Canadian politics, um, really, really happy that you're enjoying the content we provide. And we promise we'll keep it coming. As long as the Liberals don't win this election and start censoring us. Yeah. That, that so is a big from, <laughs> yeah, there's a big caveat there, guys. Um, so from, uh, from, out here in the Okanagan in BC, it's Lewis, and good night from here. And good night from Saskatchewan.